You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted Weekly Art History for All Ages. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're looking at Edward Munch and the Scream. Now, Edward Munch was a Norwegian artist in the late 19th century. He was born in a farmhouse on December 12, 1863. One of five children, though sadly his mother and one of his sisters died of tuberculosis when he was young. Edward himself was sickly, missing a lot of school, and while he was laid up in bed, he would pass the time by drawing. His father, Christian Monk, would entertain the family by reading macabre stories by Edgar Allan Poe. A Christian Monk was also a deeply religious man who sternly lectured his children about the importance of strict adherence to religion. He told Edward that his mother and sister died as sort of God's retribution. Edward Monk would later say that his father had a nervous and obsessive temperament. He was reminded constantly that his mother's ghost was watching him, disappointed with every mistake he made. While all of this seems like textbook how to ruin a human being, I think it's also worth noting that Edward Monk was known to sort of play up his mad genius persona a little bit for marketing purposes. Not to discount the fact that he did clearly have some mental health issues and problems that he was working through, but it can sometimes become difficult to separate myth from reality, as Edward Monk was not always the most reliable narrator. As a young adult, Edward Monk studied art. He was influenced by the Impressionists and the Post-Impressionists. He particularly liked Vincent van Gogh, and he recognized that part of van Gogh's posthumous success was not just that he was a brilliant painter. Obviously, he was a brilliant painter. But Monk recognized that the story of the mad, brilliant painter had some sort of romantic appeal to people. It captured people's imaginations and got them on just that gut level. I should also point out that as Monk started to veer away from realism, he really embraced a lot of symbolism in his art. Monk really came into his own as he began to view painting not as a way of capturing the outside world, but expressing his inner struggles. 
He's best known today for his expressionistic works like The Scream. There are actually several versions of The Scream. The first was painted in oil, tempera, and pastel on cardboard. That was painted in 1893. He then made two more pastel drawings, one in 1893 and another in 1895. In 1895, he also made a lithograph of the design, and the final version was a tempera painting in 1910. He made multiple versions of his works because he had intended to leave a collection of his most significant works to a museum in Oslo. Unlike Impressionist series, which tackled the same subjects multiple times to focus on the ways that light would appear different at different times of day or different seasons, Monk was creating a collection of different works, different subjects, but tied together with some common emotional resonance. It was a series that showed love, loss of love, anxiety, and death. When Monk sold a work, he would make another version of it to fill the space in his collection. The more popular the piece, the more copies of it he created. Monk was an artist who knew to play the hits, and The Scream was definitely a hit. It's one of the most recognizable images from the fine art world. In 2003, comparing The Scream with other great works, art historian Martha Tedeschi wrote, quote, Whistler's mother, Wood's American Gothic, Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa, and Edward Monk's The Scream have all achieved something that most paintings, regardless of their historical importance, beauty, or monetary value, have not. They communicate a specific meaning almost immediately to almost every viewer. These few works have successfully made the transition from the elite realm of the museum visitor to the enormous venue of popular culture, end quote. As it made that leap from the museums to pop culture, The Scream has become one of the most parodied modern paintings. We've seen countless pop culture references to it, from the likes of The Simpsons to the famous scream of Kevin McAllister after he put on aftershave in the movie Home Alone. With the scream being such an iconic image, it's no wonder the work is incredibly valuable, and many people have gone to great lengths to get their hands on it. In May of 2012, one of the pastels went up for auction. It was expected to sell for around $80 million, but a 15-minute bidding war drove the price up to $120 million, setting a record at that time. Of course, not everyone has that kind of money, and some have taken to stealing the work. In 1994, the scream was stolen from a museum. While many of us picture impenetrable systems of lasers and alarms guarding the valuables within a museum, the thieves simply put a ladder up to the window, climbed in, and took the masterpiece. Being polite criminals, they did leave a note thanking the museum for their poor security. Of course, art thieves who climb in through a window and leave a note aren't exactly masterminds, and the piece was recovered three months later. In 2004, masked gunmen went into the Oslo Museum and ripped the Scream and Monk's Madonna off the wall. They threw the pieces into a van and sped away. In 2006, as the works were still missing for two years, the Mars Candy Company offered a reward of two million dark chocolate M&Ms. The scream was recovered a few days later with just minor damage. But getting back to the work itself. Interestingly, the scream is not about a person screaming. The tormented figure in the painting is actually suffering an anxiety attack and overwhelmed by the din or the noise of the world around him. 
The hands are up to block out the sound. Edward Monk initially titled the work The Scream of Nature and included this poem on the frame of his pastel drawing from 1895. Quote, I was walking along the road with two friends. The sun was setting, the sky turned a bloody red, and I felt a whiff of melancholy. I stood, still, deathly tired, over the blue-black fjord and city hung blood and tongues of fire. My friends walked on. I remained behind, shivering with anxiety. I felt the great scream in nature. E.M. End quote. While this piece was about Monk's experience, the specific look of the figure doesn't really resemble Edward Monk himself. Many say it may have been based on a Peruvian mummy that was on display in the World's Fair in Paris in 1889. The mummy had its hands up and mouth open in an apparent shriek that is not in the least bit raising unsettling questions about that person's final moments, but it definitely bears a striking resemblance to the mask from the movie Scream, which was based on the elongated face in the painting The Scream. As historians have sought to uncover the sources of inspiration behind this work, many have looked to the sky wondering where Monk would have seen something so horrific. While that blood-red sky and tongues of fire may look like an unnatural sky, some theorize the inspiration may have actually come from a natural event Monk witnessed years earlier. In 1883, Mount Krakatoa in Indonesia had a massive eruption, sending dust and ash into the sky. So much debris went into the atmosphere that it had effects that were witnessed from around the world, largely in the form of spectacular sunsets. Ultimately, though, this work isn't so much about the landscape or the figures observed in the real world. The power of the work is not in the skeletal face, the bridge, the shadowy figures, or the landscape swirling and melting into the sky. It's about the viewer's connection with those elements. It's about the experience and sensation triggered by seeing those symbols. As Monk once said, quote, It's not the chair which is to be painted, but what the human being has felt in relation to it. End quote. And I think that pretty well captures Monk's approach to art. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.